Welcome to The Kitchen Stories, the Jewish Museum and Archives of British Columbia's podcast about all things food. I'm your host, Leanna Glass. I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is the final episode of season two. Way back when I was brainstorming topics for this season, the apparently Jewish practice of passing on recipes with key ingredients missing or of keeping them secret altogether was suggested to me. I thought at once of a story like that in my family. So today, I'm putting on my detective hat and digging deep into a family recipe. Here's a little background info to get us started. My dad, Len Glass, was born in Winnipeg to Ashkenazi Jewish parents. He and his sisters grew up in a neighborhood that was predominantly Jewish. My dad's mom, born Rivka Diamond, and referred to now as Baba Reni, was born in Winnipeg in 1939. Her parents met in Winnipeg, but had both immigrated to Canada from Lithuania. I never met my Baba. She died in December 1990, a few months before my oldest sister, who is also the oldest of my cousins, was born. One of the main things I've always associated with Baba Reni is our family chocolate chip cookie recipe. I haven't actually eaten these cookies much in the last few years, but when I think about my childhood, they were everywhere. I don't remember anyone telling me they were our family recipe or that the recipe was secret. They've just always been one of those immutable truths baked into my understanding of the world. Most of the diamond slash glass family cookies I've eaten in my life were made by my mom, Shauna Tucker, who grew up in Salmon Arm, British Columbia, and converted to Judaism after meeting my dad. Another thing I've always known about the cookies is that Bubba Rennie wouldn't let my mom have the recipe until she and my dad were married. Unfortunately, Bubba Rennie passed away before that happened, and my mom eventually got the recipe from one of my dad's sisters. Thinking about the cookies for this episode, I started to wonder if maybe I'd get to the bottom of the mystery of why it was so important to Bubba Rennie to keep this recipe a secret. Before I went about calling up all my relatives, I started out by interviewing my mom to see if my understanding of what went down still checks out. Picture, if you will, my mom sitting at the microphone with a cookie in front of her. Mamala, tell me about this cookie. Right. Well, on first blush, that is a chocolate chip cookie. But on closer examination, that is... uh, a glass, actually probably more properly, a glass diamond or just a diamond secret recipe chocolate chip cookie. When did you first encounter this cookie? I don't actually remember. It just was there. This cookie was always just there. It was at every big event that I ever uh, attended. At least in my imagination, that's probably not even true. But um, your dad's family lived in Winnipeg, and when I went there and attended any event, this chocolate chip cookie was there. Before we get too far into the story, I want to make sure you have an image of what we're talking about. When I talk about this cookie, I usually describe it as the only hard chocolate chip cookie I really love, seeing as I tend to prefer chewy cookies. 
One of the things I learned making this episode is that my cookie vocabulary is a little bit limited. It's the only chocolate chip cookie that I have ever tasted that has a, a short bread texture to it. Right there, it, it, it is a literally, if it's made properly, melt-in-your-mouth cookie. It's not like a Toll House cookie. It doesn't spread around. It's not like an oatmeal, nut-filled chocolate chip cookie, which until I encountered this one was my all-time favorite chocolate chip cookie and still remains a favorite. Uh, this was truly unique because of the shortness. And there weren't that many chocolate chips in it. It was just, it was just a brown cookie. It's crunchy. Speaking in Imperial, they were probably like an inch and a half in diameter. And um, they were um, white, but not perfectly white, more like a, um, I think it'd probably be called ivory maybe, I'm not sure. But the thing that I remember about them was that every single one of the cookies must have been made with a, like you make cookies with a ball and then you squish it down with a fork. And so every single cookie had the ridges of a fork on it. I remember these cookies as being uh, sort of medium in size and quite domed. They had just the, the best dough uh, flavor. Um, I would eat around the chocolate chips so I could eat the dough last, oddly enough. And they had a great, almost like a sablé texture, almost. The cookie itself was kind of on the, not crunchy, crisp, crispy side, but the uh, chocolate chips were always soft and melty and Oh, you're making me, you're making me hungry. You'll get to know each of these voices throughout the episode. My sisters, Emily and Jillian, also remember these cookies looming large in our childhood, for better or for worse. I don't know that they were my favorite cookies as a kid. <laughs> we had the same cookies every day for lunch, almost every day, like nine times out of ten. And I remember dad's cookies, I think, that's the brand name, were really popular in elementary school. So, so many of my friends brought store-bought cookies to school. And I appreciate now that our mom made absolutely everything from scratch, even when she didn't have the time. But as a kid, I, was being, I remember being jealous of people who had chewier cookies. Um, the sort of like crumbly texture of these chocolate chip cookies, um, I think is like a very sophisticated cookie taste into, or t- cookie texture. And to me as a kid, um, I just remember being a little bit envious of people who had the store-bought cookies. I was having just that thought the other day when I saw Dunkaroos in the grocery store for the first time in a million years. I craved and coveted Dunkaroos as a kid. Um, And now I look back on that and go, wow, you were a brat because your mother put two. I don't know. Do you two remember? They would come out of the freezer and she would put them with the flat end side by side and they would always come out of the lunchbox in the same way. The cookies had an equally, if not even bigger, presence in the lives of my dad, Len, and his sisters, Karen and Marla, growing up. It seemed to me um, that they were always cookies in these cookie tins my mom had, and I'm pretty sure I have one of them. Um, but I, my memory is that they were almost always full of cookies, and I don't have really strong memories of her making them. But then, this I'm talking about times when I was a child, so it's entirely possible she was baking them when I wasn't around or asleep or something. But I, I I do think there was a never-ending flow of them. And 
grabbing two or three or four at a time was not in any way a you know thought of as something that was um you know excessive or 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 inappropriate or too much sugar or too much bad food or whatever so I am I'm not sure how many I ate as a child but it would certainly be in the hundreds if not in the thousands this this cookie was one that was in the house like 365 days of the year Same and it was always interesting because I don't remember Marla remembered this but she worked she did work and sometimes she could she was a terrible sleeper and sometimes we'd wake up you know ate it when we got ready to go to school and we realized that she'd been up half the night baking and making these cookies for us we'd come up downstairs and the kitchen smelled wonderful and there was you know dozens and dozens of cookies because at 3 a.m when she couldn't sleep you know she just baked cookies there was something about a chocolate chip cookie even if it didn't have a lot of chocolate chips in it that was like it was so kid like it was such a kid food and for me i i had a gang of friends everyone would come over and that's all they ever wanted Hopefully now you've got a feel for these cookies and their ubiquitousness in our lives. Now, back to my interview with my mom. When did you first make one of these cookies yourself? Well, it took a while. First, I had to get the recipe, and the recipe was a closely guarded secret. Um, So I didn't probably make this cookie until 1995 or 1996. It took a good three or four or five years of trying before I got the recipe for the cookie. Why is that? Why was it so hard to come by? Because it genuinely was one of those recipes that families held close and hung on to until they felt that uh, you were truly part of the family and could be trusted to deal with the recipe in the, in the way that the family dealt with it. And I think one of the funny things that often happens is it's not just a matter of being part of the family, but people look around and not everybody likes to cook or bake. So it was not only that at some point I became part of the family, there was also a recognition that I might actually also be one of the only people who was going to carry on and cook the bloody thing. And were there times where you specifically tried to get this recipe and were denied, or did you kind of did you recognize that you had to wait it out? There were times where I gently hinted and was obliquely denied. So we did the careful dance of me not asking directly and nobody denying me directly, and it came to pass when it was meant to be. Were there other secret recipes that you could have gotten? I never did. I, I not that I, I not that I know of. So if they are, if there are, they were truly secret recipes. And what's funny about this one is it's a chocolate chip cookie. Because I know, I know you're talking about Jewish foods, and so I've thought about that from this perspective. And what's interesting of all the foods that I learned to make after. I met your dad and started to do cooking that people would consider to be Jewish cooking. The one that we prize the most is a chocolate chip cookie. You know, I make a mean rugula, but I didn't get that recipe from Winnipeg and didn't perfect it cooking with people from Winnipeg. And I make a great latka. And I certainly played with my latka recipe talking to people in Winnipeg about, you know, do you grate it? Do you grind it? Do you chop it? What the heck do you do? So I made my recipe in combination from them, but none of my other recipes are family recipes. The one that's a family recipe 
from the Jewish family is a chocolate chip cookie recipe, and I truly appreciate the irony of that. When you finally got the recipe, how did you feel? In included. Right? I, I think it's quite a privilege to be given other people's secret recipes. Right? And it makes you, whatever group holds that secret, you are included in that group when you are given the recipe. And there's just this implicit understanding. Nobody asks, but I would not give the recipe to this cookie to anybody else except you and your sisters. And I assume that was understood when it was given to me. And even if it wasn't, it's a better story in my head that way. And so I wouldn't. This is a, I don't know other people who have this recipe. I've looked in other cookbooks. I've never seen it. I've looked on the internet. I've never seen it. So I, I have actual no understanding of where it comes from because unfortunately I was never able to ask your grandma about that. And uh, But it is a unique little thing. Have you ever tried to put your own spin on the recipe? I Okay, so here's the deal. I put twice as many chocolate chips in this recipe as the recipe calls for. <laughs> You know, that's weird because usually when I make cookies, I put half as many as the recipe calls for. Well, this recipe, it was a little so. skimpy, I got to tell you. So I put in twice as many chocolate chips almost as the recipe called for. I have played with the kinds of chocolate chips you put in. You know, so one, the people do mess with it around the edges, but none of those messings with mess with the, the, the fat to flour combination, which is the key. And then there is a secret ingredient, which we are not mentioning. There are experiments you would do with some recipes that you don't do with a traditional secret family recipe. The point of a, a secret recipe within a family is that it needs to be recognizable. So, so I don't think you mess with traditional family recipes. Or if you do, you're always going to come back and make the original anyway. It evokes the memories of the past. If you have a connection to the past, and if you don't, and in many ways I didn't have those, you hope that it's reminding the people you're making it for to ask those questions about the past in any event, and it creates new memories going forward. In some ways, I think I've built this story up in my head, but the consequence of my having built it up in my head is that we had this cookie at every single event of significance and a lot of events of not significance for us, and the cookies become part of our story. My aunts, Karen and Marla, didn't really even remember that it took a while for my mom to get the recipe. The whole big mystery of these cookies for me was a total non-event for them. In fact, Karen hadn't even thought of them explicitly as a secret before. It's our family recipe. I've never given it to anybody. Like, I don't, like, yeah. I've never told anyone about it. And I, and it, it, now that we, I mean, we've had this whole conversation in the last hour, I realized it was a secret at home, but I, I, I don't know if I ever realized how much of a secret it was, or I, just in my head, I knew never to give it to anybody. I've oh, never opened it. Because I was a very different personality from you. I was told outright, do not. Okay, maybe. <laughs> but I've never, I've never given this recipe to no. anybody. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it out either. Because I don't, also my friends, like the people I know, they don't bake properly. So I, I wouldn't, like, maybe I would give it to someone, you know, if I knew they were like a master baker or something, but like, no, they can't bake. These people don't know what they're doing. It's like, it's a waste. I'll make it for them. 
I probably wouldn't give it. When I talked to my dad, he remembered it a bit differently, too. As he recalls, the asking and the refusal were much more explicit. There was this relative, in hindsight, a relatively brief period from when your, your mother, Shauna, and I started to date and became a couple. So it probably would have been closer, somewhere in 89, probably, because by 1990, my mom was pretty sick. Um, but somewhere in that period, uh, she asked my mother, or she asked me to ask my mother for the recipe, and I got a stern no. And, and I don't know that we had the kind of relationship where I could really dig into it, but I had the definite feeling like, well, until you marry her, she's not really in the family, and until she's in the family, she doesn't get the recipe. I also asked him how he felt once my mom did get the recipe. If you're asking about receiving the recipe, I, I think I was just very thankful that 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 your mom got her hands on it because I felt when my mom didn't cough it up that it was kind of a bit of a shanda like are you kidding me ma like just cough it up and then of course just your mom making them was um, very um, I thought very sweet of her and and, uh, and and they were just spot on. So why was it important to Rennie to keep this recipe in the family? The answer to that mystery seems to be tied up in another one where the recipe actually came from. I'm not exaggerating when I say I've never had another cookie like this one. Auntie Marla even did a bit of research in preparation for our call. Chocolate chip cookies were invented only 80-something years ago, right? They were invented in America. So they, this recipe didn't come from the old country. It was like, which I also think it's like, we were meant to think that it, we were sort of by omission, led to believe that it that it was like a long history of in the Diamond Kagan family, but there's no way it could have been because chocolate chip cookies were only invented 80 years ago. I like, have it here on a piece of paper that says <laughs> yeah. memo from the desk of Arnold Loss, and I have I big red writing family recipe at the top, but it's chocolate chips or Smarties, it says. That's how you know it's not old. I was starting to fear we might never know where Baba Rennie got the recipe. But I hadn't tapped out all my sources yet. Rennie's brother, my great-uncle Howie, is ten years younger than Baba Rennie would be. If anyone was going to remember where the cookies came from, I thought it would be him. Do you know what chocolate chip cookie I'm talking about? Absolutely. It's the famous, for, for me, it was my mother's. Okay, this is new info because I was talking to Karen and Marla yesterday and they didn't even know where Rennie got it from. So what's your My, knowledge of where this recipe comes from? Baba Rennie would have been given the recipe from my mom. Where my mother got the recipe, I have no idea. And you remember your mom making them? By the container full. My mom was a really good cook, but she was an even better baker. Did your, do you think your mom taught Rennie how to make them? Absolutely, my mother would have taught her. They, you know, they were pretty close. I was just going to ask if you remember Rennie making the cookies as well, after your mom. Yeah, oh yeah. I was an uncle when I was 12. So I, and, you know, growing up, I spent a lot of time in the house with the kids, with in particular, Karen and Leonard. Now, Marla is not quite as much because that by that point I was getting older and she was the little one. But with the with Karen and Leonard, well, I was there all the time. Did she make the cookies as much as your mom made them? Um, 
maybe more only because you know like she had three children and and me and i was always there you know so like come on you know let's go we're the cookies so yeah no she made them lots howie doesn't remember whether his mom my great-grandmother molly thought of the recipe as a secret you don't remember with your mom but with rennie do you remember it being treated as like this secret family recipe and no i don't because it was for me it wasn't a secret you got to remember, I'm, I'm the, I was a guy that I ain't baking. You're going to make it for me. I'll gladly eat as many as you'll make. But I know that, that Rennie gave Irene the recipe right away. It wasn't a big deal. Were you married when she gave it to Irene? Yeah. I'll admit I was a little relieved to hear this. I've always been a bit afraid there was a deeper reason Rennie wouldn't give my mom the recipe. What if it was something personal? I guess maybe it still could have been. But if Aunt Irene got the recipe right away after marrying Howie, maybe it really was just that my parents weren't married yet. Of course, you might think my Zeta Arnold would be a good source, but he's not exactly the sentimental type, and he doesn't remember these cookies being anything special. Do you remember it being a secret or like that it was associated with your family? No, not really. I mean, she always made them. Uh, Everybody liked them. Uh, I don't remember it being secret. Do you, does that make sense to you that like Rennie wouldn't have wanted to give it to anyone who wasn't like, no, no, she would give it to anybody who asked. Really? Okay. This is a different story than I'm hearing from everyone else. No, no. (laughs) uh, I had a, a, not, she was a, my mother's cousin's wife, if that makes sense to you. (laughs) And she was a, a, made uh, lovely pastries. This goes way, way back. And people would ask for the recipe and she'd always leave out one ingredient. So they never came out the same. So <laughs> that was sort of a, a joke in the family. But uh, no, Bubba Rennie never uh, 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 would, would give a recipe with a missing ingredient or if somebody asked her, she would give him the recipe. When I pushed a bit by emphasizing that everyone else at least remembers these cookies holding a particular place in our family, even if they don't remember them being a secret, here's what he had to say. Well, you know, it's interesting, all three of them uh, I'm Cooney Dad, um, have different um, opinions of what was going on at that time, or different, 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 different memories, I guess, of the same event. So that's good. I mean, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's, it's not like a, uh, everybody's reading from the same playbook. Hmm. Okay, Zeta. Sure, we all remember things differently, but I guess in this case, some of us remember them more differently than others. These cookies were definitely not the only things Rennie baked, but it does seem to be true that she didn't guard any of the other things so closely, or at all. It was like a rotation, you know, because she would make the chocolate chip, then there was oatmeal, and then there was the snickerdoodles, and then there was, she made these, they were called blossom cookies, the one where you put the rosebuds on the top. Mom also had a brownie recipe that she used all the time, and I'm terrible at making brownies, I don't know why, but my friend Barb makes an excellent brownie, and Barb grew up one street away from where I live. And she lives half a block from where we are. So I, so she's always giving out her, her brownie recipe. And it's nothing special. So one day I pulled out the Glass family brownie recipe and the Perlat family recipe or the Kelly family recipe. It's the same recipe. <laughs> Where'd she get it? It's a Betty Crocker brownie. So I'm like, like I was shattered, but I was like, 
thing for thing, exactly the same. So, you know, there was only so many cookbooks lying around at that time. And uh, I just found it so funny that we thought these recipes came from the old country. Meanwhile, when they were in the old country, there's no way they would have had that much sugar or baking chocolate or like they were poor. They wouldn't have had any of these things. So, um, so I just, I, I realized like how they were trying to somehow assimilate as well. There is one dessert that, while not a family secret, is a Winnipeg classic and also holds a special place in all of our hearts. The other, the other food that my mother is famous for, at least for, for me, um, is cinnamon tort. Um, but I'm not sure, I, I really don't remember um, her ever making one just to make it and put it in our kitchen for us to eat. Um, it was uh, her go-to, I think, when, when, when people were asked to contribute to a dessert table for uh you know for a bar mitzvah or bar mitzvah maybe a wedding i'm not sure i don't recall attending many weddings as a child but um you know there was a point um in the house you grew up in where we all made uh, a cinnamon tort um and that was i think the very first time i ate a cinnamon tort outside of of some function so you might think about the cinnamon tort because i made such a big deal of it in the house that you grew up in but it wasn't part of the house I grew up in. It's just something my mom made that I loved, and and still to this day, um, would uh, would drive to Winnipeg if I could for a slice of cinnamon tort. And I, you know, I, you do remember that. Can't remember what it was for, but I'll never forget that my older sister bought an entire cinnamon tort in Winnipeg, and and it sat on her lap for an entire flight from Winnipeg to Vancouver, so she could deliver up this cinnamon tort to me, and it was delicious. And I'm eternally grateful. Even Zeta had something to say about this one. Cinnamon tort was always the, the, the uh, tort you made for uh, parties and things, uh, uh, or to take to a party, uh, which I used to help make. Uh, you know, you have to do the, the, the little um, uh, cinnamon, uh, um, whatever you call it, biscuit, on, on, the, on, the, on the bottom side of a fry pan. It might not be chocolate chip cookies, but we'll take it. In terms of where the cookie recipe actually came from, it seemed like that question maybe was destined to go unanswered. But then Auntie Karen put me in touch with Cirque Goldberg, one of my Baba Rennie's best friends. I probably haven't seen Cirque since I was about 12, but she knew exactly who I was the second I called her up. I didn't record our conversation, but it seems like the most likely story is that the recipe came from the women's group her mom and Rennie's mom were both part of. When Cirque and Baba Rennie were really little, World War II was going on. Because of rationing, you couldn't even get chocolate chips. Because of this, Cirque guessed that Molly wouldn't have started making these until the late 40s or early 50s. Cirque didn't remember these cookies specifically, but she did say she remembers the jubilation she felt when they were first allowed to buy chocolate chips. Whether the women's group is where Molly got the recipe and either she or Rennie adjusted it at some point or Molly got it somewhere else, I guess we'll never really know. I won't lie to you, even though I went into this looking for answers, the possibility of this recipe coming from Molly's women's group or being shared with them if she was the one who made it up didn't sit well with me at first. 
My sister Emily helped talk me down from my what if our cookies aren't actually that special spiral. I kind of love that though. Yeah. I would assume that this recipe can't be found on the internet because it was a 1940s recipe that was in a book that went out of print before any digitization happened. So it only exists amongst the people who have the actual original written copy. Um, And I guess that's true. Like maybe it was never even in a cookbook. Maybe it was just in this like leaflet that was passed around. And so, yeah, maybe there's like a random handful of descendants from other families that also make this cookie. And yeah, I don't know. That actually, that's kind of an interesting thought of maybe there's another family out there that in Winnipeg or maybe somewhere else in North America still makes these cookies. My next thought was like, well, Howie and our dad and aunts don't remember anyone else making these cookies. And they would have been friends with the descendants of the women in this group. So what if that actually means that nobody else liked these cookies because they were bad? So the only reason they get to be our secret family recipe is just because they're like rejected from everyone else. That's funny. Dad didn't think that was true, though. I think maybe, I don't know. Like, I think there could be a lot of explanations for that. I think it could also just be like if chocolate chip cookies were invented in the 40s, then there would have been a boom in chocolate chip cookie recipes and people would have just moved on. That's a good Like point. if that was like truly one of the first chocolate chip cookie recipes, if they were invented in the 40s, think about how many thousands of them came out after that. And I think there's just probably a lot of factors that could explain why a lot of other people don't make these cookies anymore. And it's kind of delightful that even though, like what you're saying, the digging in the family history produced the the result that these weren't a mystery or a secret recipe that Molly made up. They've become a secret. You can't look them up on the internet. They're not in any cookbook. When it comes to why it was so important for Rennie to keep this recipe a secret, there were a few different theories. I don't know why this one's so adamant. I'm saying maybe it it is because it didn't come from a cookbook that everybody had. Our friends knew that our mom's cookies were different from their mom's. I think that builds into it too, right? Like you're coming over to the glasses, you want to have those chocolate chip cookies. It seems likely the uniqueness of the recipe was part of it. I asked Uncle Howie if he could think of any other reasons his sister might have wanted to keep these cookies in the family. My only guess would be the fact that if she had felt that it was my mom's recipe, and this would be her, her way of keeping my mother closer to her, you know, in that, in, that, in that sense, that it was hers and hers alone. Bubba Molly died when Howie was a teenager and Rennie was in her 20s, between when she had my dad, the middle child, and Auntie Marla, the baby. Something I can't help but wonder sometimes is how different my own relationship to Judaism, and in this case, my knowledge of Ashkenazi foods, might be if I'd known my Baba Rennie. I certainly have many fond memories of baking with my mom's mom, Shirley, who was an enormous influence on me in many other ways as well. I've also had cause to think about this more lately because a lot of the people I've spoken to for the podcast credit their bubbies with teaching them about Jewish food. I shared this reflection with Karen and Marla. Karen and I also didn't have a bubby to teach us how to cook, right? Mm -hmm. So we're kind of repeating, hopefully history won't repeat itself again, but it would be nice if the grand, like the next set of grandchildren grow up with a booby. When I grew up, you know, there was this sort of ghost Baba there, right? Like Mm -hmm. Baba Molly was a ghost. I was named for her. I was 
I was always meant to feel like that I lost out by not having this woman in my life and this whole thing. So when my kids were born, I made a point, like I wasn't going to have this ghost. Right. But then the, the, the downside of that is that they don't, um, they don't have a connection to her memory, which I think a lot of you, as you were reading your, in your mid twenties or whatever, you guys are reach you youngins are reaching out for that now because you want to know about your history, not just on the people that are alive. For my oldest sister, Jillian, the intergenerational parallel applies to her name too. Jillian is actually her middle name. Her first name is Rivka. Just like Marla being named for Molly, Jillian was named according to the Ashkenazi custom of choosing baby names to honor a loved one who has recently passed away. I asked my sisters for their thoughts on how not knowing Baba Reni has impacted us and how this relates to the experience our dad and aunts had growing up. I honestly do think our understanding of Jewish food um, and Jewish culture would have been very different if Reni was still around because we grew up vegetarian. And so much of particularly Ashkenazi cuisine is not particularly vegetarian, but I'm sure Reni would have found ways to adapt her cooking to little vegetarian grandchildren. Um, and, you know, I appreciate the comment about how they also didn't grow up with a grandmother because Molly died so young. They also grew up in a very close knit Jewish community with very traditional Jewish cuisine. And we didn't have that at all. Um, you know, North Vancouver is not the most Jewish of places and uh, we didn't have the same you know, grew up around the Rady Center, you know, with families that have known each other for four generations sort of thing. So I think Rennie um, would have had a really significant impact uh, on our on our childhood in that culinary sense. I don't know that ghost Bubba Rennie is, <laughs> is necessarily how I would describe it, but I think there are some through lines there. I think for sure, especially the timing of her dying right before Jillian was born, obviously, colored our early childhoods even though um it was colored by absence so it might be hard to like put our fingers on specific moments but i think that that is part of our childhood narrative is that she wasn't there um so yeah maybe there is a ghost baba rennie that like plays a a, a role in in our lives and and i i totally agree that her influence on our lives had it not been ghost Baba Reni, but living Baba Reni would have definitely, um, of course it would have made for a different life. Like our lives are shaped by our relationships. So of course our lives would have been different had she uh, not passed away at a young age. This wasn't the only element of the story that reproduced itself in our generation. It turns out Jillian didn't know this was our secret family recipe when we were kids. She got her first clue when she tried to make them after moving away for university. She couldn't find the secret ingredient anywhere. Until then, it had never occurred to her that it wasn't a common ingredient in cookies. So did you not realize that they're like, like our secret family recipe? No, I did not know this at all. I was completely out of it. When did you learn that? I think I found dad. I don't know, but so I think it came out then and I'm, I'm trying to reflect now on why I wouldn't have been aware of this, but there are lots of oh. things that I'm just oblivious about, so. 
this is like representative of a lot of elements of our childhood i think where mine and leanna's rest, like memories don't quite line up with yours <laughs> oh yeah, I, it's, yeah like, no, absolutely. it's not that anyone's memories are wrong it's just that we leanna and i have like internalized different things from the stories than you have yeah jillian was like i'm learning how to bake and we were like "Ooh, a secret <laughs> even if jillian didn't know what i've always thought of as the fundamental truth of these cookies She's the only one of us three who's actually made them as an adult. She's also the only one with specific memories of making them with mom as a child. As is so often the case when it comes to family foods, my conversations about the cookies weren't really about the cookies. This recipe means something a little different to everyone. I don't, I don't think that, I mean, I know this is our family recipe and it's a little different than most people bake have, but I think that the, the chocolate chip recipe was just amongst the whole feeling in our house. We never ate bought cookies. We never ate any bought bakery. If we baking goods, if we wanted to have a cookie, it was homemade. If we wanted to have a pie, it was homemade. So I think it just fell in that whole category of we just didn't know what bought foods were. So the cookie was just a, a representation, right, of a lot of our of our memories. Yeah, what was going on in our house. It wasn't going on in other people's houses. Other people had boxes of Oreo cookies in their house. It was really oh. us that didn't. For Karen, Marla, and my dad, the cookie is representative of their childhood, and specifically of how ahead of her time Babareni was in a lot of ways. She made sure her kids all learned to cook, and my dad wasn't cut any slack for being a boy. She was into jogging way before it was cool. She got her family eating salad for dinner at a time where their neighbors didn't really eat raw vegetables. She was just progressive. Like, she was the only mom on the block that worked. She decided she needed to be on the ritual committee of the synagogue so she could make sure that women had a, a say in, in what was going on. And so it was just finding new recipes and, and, and trying to be healthy, but it was just, it was, it was new. And so that so she was part of the movement. I don't think it came from her parents no i don't think it came from her parents at all i think it, partly from her nursing training but partly because she just was one of these people that was always on the on the, on the edge of new i mean and i don't mean like she had the most beautiful clothes and all that kind of stuff but on theories she was on the on the she was on the edge of new and she was a feminist and, and a lot of her friends were like she would drum into marlon i don't care if you're a hairdresser a plumber electrician i don't really care what it is you need to have a skill. You should never be dependent on another person. You should always be able to earn your own living. I think it was in direct opposition to the way that she grew up, right? She depended on your parents for money, depended on your husband for money. There also was a Holocaust flavor in the house. Though I've had discussions with dad about this where he doesn't really agree with it. But there was the idea that some people in their family died. Some people didn't die. Some people did die. Their parents got out. Are they victims? Are they survivors? That depends on how you define it. So I think there was also that part of turning away from the past. For Babareni's children, the cookie also offers a way to keep her close, just as it maybe did for her with her mom. Whatever connection you can have or we can have to her it's, uh, is a good connection. It keeps her alive in a, in a, in a real way. When I went into this, I thought I was interviewing my mom just to make sure I had the story straight. But then she dropped a real bombshell on me about what the cookies mean to her. This is my secret reason for liking this cookie. My grandmother has a secret 
shortbread recipe. And my grandmother, who was born in Scotland, makes the best shortbread in the whole world. So while this cookie to you guys is about the glass diamond family, this cookie to me is about the integration of culture. That's nice. I never knew you felt that way about this cookie. I feel quite strongly that way about this cookie. It is hard to live in different cultures, and bridges between them are extremely important. Okay, are you ready to hear what the secret ingredient is? Get a pen ready, maybe turn up the volume a little bit, and listen closely. What, are you kidding me? You thought after all that I was going to give you the recipe? If you really want to know how to make these chocolate chip cookies for yourself, one of my sisters is single. You know what to do. A shenam dunk to the Gansa Mishpocha for letting me interview you. Thank you, I love you. And to everyone listening, thank you for joining me on this season of The Kitchen Stories. If you've listened to all 11 episodes, please go make yourself some treats and pretend they're from me. Eat them in good health. If you missed a few episodes along the way or want to listen to your favorite ones over again, you can find them all at jewishmuseum.ca. They're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a handful of other platforms. The Kitchen Stories is produced on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Again, thank you for listening. Bye for now!